Hello, Ms. Kapow. Hello, Brother Kapow. What's today's date? Today's date is May 1st, 2017. What happened to April? It's gone. Who stole it? Somebody stole it. Man, that was quick. That was weird. The days are getting shorter. They really are. (laughs) They're very short. Something's happening. I think we're just getting old. No, that's not. Well, we are getting older, but that's not true because a lot of young people are feeling that way, too. Yeah, but they're getting old, too. You know, in our community, young is what? 65? Yeah, but like Amy and stuff, she's not old. She's in her 30s. Hmm. Hmm. Too many tacos. Crazy. What are we going to talk about today, Ms. Kapow? Well, what we've been studying all week. Enoch. 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 This is like the third week we've been talking about Enoch. Last two weeks, we talked about the Son of Man, seeing Jesus in this ancient, ancient text. Very, very cool. Is it not? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Today, we're going to talk about the sins that demand judgment. And here's why. It came to my attention while surfing YouTube. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of, there's a lot of kooks. There's some good people, there's some kooks out there. But I'm hearing a lot of stuff where there's some legalism out there, and they're, um, some of these people are telling others, Christians, like they're, they're putting them under a set of laws and rules. They're saying, you know, if you don't do this, do this, or do this, you're, you're not a Christian, you're not going to make it to heaven, or if you do this, 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 this. They're doing, you know, specific type of sins type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Even so far as um, we discussed this last month, John MacArthur talking about how you have to be part of a church yeah. in order to be a Christian. And that's just, that's just heresy. Hogwash. That's hogwash. That's lies. It's not, even, it's not scriptural. It's not Christian. But he was putting this burden on his audience. Obviously, he you know, needs more money, like they all do. But there are some people out there, and they're uh, preaching tithes. I heard a guy the other day talk about, if you don't give tithes to God, you're robbing God, mm-hmm. type of thing. You know, they use that old Malachi 3.8, and they totally misinterpreted. They, they have no idea what they're talking about. But anyway, so it came to my attention, do we really know what the sins that demand judgment are? I would venture to say a lot of people don't. You know, they will start naming off a bunch of individual sins. Well, you know, sodomy, homosexuality, you know, uh, this, that, murder. Yeah, right? the regular ones. Yeah, and, and without really knowing, you know, what, what does God say? What has God said? What, what did he say in the ancient texts like Enoch? And what does he say in the ancient texts of like his biblical scriptures? So what really is going to constitute judgment on people where they're cast into the lake of fire for these behaviors. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about. So right. hopefully that'll set, you know, some thought into motion and it'll also free some people up that have been in bondage, maybe questioning their own salvation. Cause there's people out there that, that question their own salvation. Miss Kapow, you could relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. For years, she would struggle with that whole, um, I blaspheme the Holy Spirit thing. Oh, yeah. For years, just a lying demon lying to her. 
You know, um, we actually had to cast the demon out that was lying to her. But for years, it's just false teaching and false fear. And it got a, a, a foothold on her. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there, good Christians, but they doubt their, their salvation. Um, and then you'll hear guys like me talk about, hey, you can't be once saved, always saved. And then uh, that probably really throws more fire on it, you know. And then on the opposite end, you hear people going, hey, you know, you said a little prayer at, uh, you know, the Greg Laurie Harvest concert and you're good to go. So mm-hmm. there's there's opposite ends of the spectrum. But what does God say? Forget our opinions and our our uh, theologies. What right. what is actually the scriptures say? And we're going to compare it to these ancient texts in Enoch, and then we're going to flesh it out with scripture. So it's going to be pretty interesting. The goal is, is if you're bound by this kind of a thing where you're putting, uh, or you're allowing Satan, a Satan, an accuser to place condemnation on you, Mm -hmm. this should free you. Amen. Yes, Lord. Okay. If you're in a place where you're allowing the Holy Spirit to convict you, this should free you in the Holy Spirit, because then you'll say, "Woo, I better start trusting in God rather than trusting in myself, for example. Yeah. See you know what I mean? Because so, our hearts are wicked, right? Right. Our own hearts, our own thoughts are continually wicked. So what Satan will do is he will always condemn you with shame. You know, it's a condemnation that comes from Satan. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn you. He convicts you. Yeah, so, and he draws you to the Lord. Yes. He, and he, yeah, it always points back to Jesus Christ. And it as you're walking in the Spirit, see, there's no condemnation to any of us. If, what's the second half of that? If we walk in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. If we're not walking in the Spirit, Right, we're not walking after Jesus Christ. Hey, we're going to have some condemnation because you're probably living a sinful life. Do you get it? Yeah. But if you're walking after the Spirit, there's no condemnation. But the Holy Spirit will convict you of stuff. I mean, when I mean conviction, he'd be like, "Why did I do that?" Or why, you know, he'll bring something up to why, you know, why do I do these things? You go, you know, that's not of God. Mm-hmm. And then you'll change that behavior, but it's a gentle thing. It's not a condemning thing. Um, unless you, you know, you keep disobeying and then, you know, then you trample, you trample the cross, you know, if you willingly ignore these things. Um, there was a lot of things in my personality. There still are, by the way, but there was, the, in the past, there was a lot of things that I actually thought were just part of me. It's the way who, just just who I am, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an angry dude. It's just the way I am, you know, and it took the Lord to show me that's not who you are. Mm -mm. That's not who you are in Christ anyway. And you don't need to accept that. Right. You need to control that because part of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And that's what I mean by that conviction. It's, it's a gentle thing. It wasn't like, you're going to die and go to hell if you keep getting angry. It's like, you need to control that. Mm -hmm. You need to have patience. And so I started praying for patience, and then God sent me Miss Kapow. <laughs> ah! That was the joke of the day. That was the joke of the day. All right, you have anything to add to that? No. Yeah, okay. So let's begin 
Let's begin with Judgment Day, because we're going to talk about sins that demand judgment. This is according to God, to ancient scripture, not according to me or John MacArthur or anybody on YouTube. It's according to God. Sins that demand judgment. And what you're going to notice here is these categories that, man, you can place a lot of things in there. So they're not individual. Well, you know, is dancing a sin? Is going to the movies a sin? You're going to see what's dif- displeasing to the Lord. That, that, would, that would cost eternal salvation. Mm-hmm. Okay? So this is judgment day we're talking about. We're talking at the end of the age, the age that we live in now, because there's no other age after this one. This is it. The great stone comes, hits the uh, feet and toes made of clay and iron mixed. And it all comes crashing down. That stone then becomes a big mountain over the earth, and there is no other kingdom after that. So this is it. This is the coup de grace. And we really need to realize that. There's no other, there's no other salvation outside of Jesus Christ. So let's look at what Jesus Christ himself says. Jesus of Nazareth said about Judgment Day. Okay? Mm-hmm. Let's look at that. So, Ms. Kapow, why don't you read Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Okay. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sows good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit... Then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, before you read the second half here, as you've you've heard the scripture many times, this parable, but you have to really read it and listen carefully to what it really says. There are good seed. There are good seed and there are bad seed. There's two types of humans. There's good seed and there's bad seed. And Jesus says that an enemy, an enemy sowed that bad seed. That's that serpent seed. All right? And In the parable, they're likened to tares, and tares are a kind of darnel, and they resemble wheat, except that the grains are black. The grains are black. You see the fruit? That's that's a big hint on sins that demand judgment. They're not the wheat. They look like wheat, but they're sown by the enemy. They're serpent seed. All right? So it, 
in this parable, Jesus is saying that an enemy had sowed this. So the servants of the household, these, these are going to be in the end of the age. These are going to be reaper angels, reaper angels. And they say, hey, you want us to pull them up? And, Jesus, and, and, the, and in the parable, you know, the farmer says, no, because you'll harm the wheat with it. So they grow together until the harvest, the harvest. You see, you as a child of Christ walking in the spirit are going to be harvested. You're going to be harvested. You're going to be removed. But before you're removed, the tares are removed. Clearly, there's a timeline here. And in the parable, Jesus says to the reapers, you know, first, first, the Greek word there is uh, proton. It's an adverb. It means firstly in time, place, or order, or importance, the beginning. First, the tares. Bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, maybe it happens at the same time. Maybe you get taken up, arpazio. You get lifted up at the same time. I don't know. But clearly the tares are, bun- are gathered and bundled up first. All right? So, fortunately on this parable, the disciples ask the question, what does this mean? And Jesus then explains it. So we don't have to guess. So if you'll read the verses 36 through 43. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, and he answered and said unto them, he that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, so you have ears, so let's start hearing. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God made flesh, explains the parable he just said. And we're very fortunate that we have this. He says, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Enoch has been talking about the son of man for 5,000 years. We just read that two weeks ago. For the last two weeks, we've been talking about the son of man in the book of Enoch. Clearly, Jesus is referring to himself as the son of man. He's the one that's been preeminent since creation. So in the day that he returns to set up his eternal kingdom, this is when this is all going down. This is what it looks like. This is, this is part of Judgment Day. So he explains that the field that the enemy had sown, the tares, the field is the world. That means, that Greek word is the cosmos. It's the orderly arrangement. 
by implication the world in a wide or narrow sense, including its inhabitants, literally or figuratively or morally. It's the cosmos, what we would call the society, our culture. The field is our satanic culture, our satanic cult. That's the world. The good seed are you, children of the kingdom. That's who the good seed are. So you got to ask yourself, uh, am I a child of the kingdom? Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna vet all that out. But the tares, those things that are Darnell, that look like wheat, but have black grain, are the children of the wicked one. That serpent seed, wicked, poneros, evil, evil effect and influence. It's an essential character as well as um, just the, the virtue of, of that thing. It's wicked. The tares are the children of wickedness. Serpent seed. The enemy that put them here in the cosmos with the wheat is Diablos in Greek. We say it's Satan, sometimes the devil. It's the traducer. It's the false accuser, the slanderer. He's the one that put that deceptive Darnell in here with us. And the reapers, okay, the ones who actually reap, who harvest, are the angels. There will be, at the end of time, reaper angels. They're going to harvest this planet, this cosmos. You got to know that. They're coming. Therefore, the tares, they gather up first, and they're burnt. And Jesus says, so shall it be in the end of this age. The Greek word is aeon, age. It's translated world in the King James, but it's age. It's the end of the age. The Greek is eon, an age. It's a period. The the end of the Gentile age, the church slash Gentile age, is, will be ended. There's no, there's no more after this. That's it. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. These are the reaper angels, and they're going to gather out of his kingdom. See, this is the end. It's judgment day. He's setting up his kingdom. So everything that's, that's in his way that's offensive, they're gathered up, and they're removed, and they're cast into the lake of fire, into hell, into the eternal torment, and there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. But hopefully all of us, if we're righteous, we're going to shine like the sun and um, we'll be, you know, present in the kingdom of our Father. Okay? Amen. That's what Jesus says. That's just one of the things he says about the end of the age. So I I wanted to get that out. And then I'm going to read what God gave Enoch way back in the day about the end of the age. And I'm going to start with uh, Enoch chapter 62, verse 7, and then I'm going to go all the way up to 
uh, Enoch 63.12. And then we're going to talk about the sins of judgment specifically, but in the chapters I'm about to read, these six sins of judgment that are bringing judgment are outlined, and then we're going to bring that out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It makes sense? Okay, so here we go. Once again, I'm going to read from this um, John D. Ladd paraphrase slash interpretation of Enoch because it's just, it's plain English and it's easy to read. So that's, that's the version I'm reading from. Beginning chapter 62, verse 7. From the eternal past, the Son of Man was a mystery to many, but the Most High had revealed him to the chosen ones. Uh, right there, I'm going to stop. Right there, you have the Son of Man mentioned again, and him being a mystery. We talked about that last week, the mystery of, of Jesus and of grace. Verse 8. The multitude of the righteous and chosen ones who were sown in the earth have now been harvested to stand before him on that day. I'm going to stop. Did you catch that? Enoch is looking into the future. He's shown the future. And what does he see? He sees the multitude of righteous and chosen ones who were sown. What does that remind you of? The par- Yes, the parable we just heard. Sown in the earth. And then he says, have now been harvested to stand before him on that day. It's the same thing. Jesus was using the parable of the wheat and tares. It's the same thing that Enoch saw 5,000, well, actually 3,000 years earlier to Jesus' time. Isn't that amazing? Mm Mm-hmm. Verse 9, the mighty and proud of the earth will then finally fall down before the Son of Man and give him worship. They will cry out for mercy. But it is too late for them, for the Lord of Spirits will quickly cast them away in shame. Darkness shall cover their faces. The angels of punishment will take them to punishment so they may be finally repaid for all the wrong done to the chosen ones. They will be an eternal spectacle to the righteous chosen ones. The righteous will rejoice because the anger of the Lord has been satisfied and the sword of judgment will be drunk with them. The chosen and righteous ones will be saved on that day and will never again be faced with those wicked ones. The Lord of spirits and the Son of Man will dwell, eat, rest, and walk with the chosen and righteous ones forever and ever. Now that puts a smile on my face. Yes. That's judgment day. That's what happens to the wicked, the tares, and this is what happens to the wheat as they're gathered up. Okay. In verse 15, I'll continue. The righteous chosen ones who were resurrected and are not ashamed, will put on a garment of life. Remember, Enoch is being shown the history of mankind, and he's, he's being shown what is happening on Judgment Day. So he's, this is prophetic. So he sees the righteous ones and chosen ones. Hopefully, 
that's you and I. We can have confidence in that. And they, he sees them resurrected and not ashamed. And they put on a garment of life. Doesn't that sound like Paul? Paul's writings mm-hmm. about taking off the incorruptible and putting on the incorruptible. Yep. Right? Their garments of life are from the Lord of spirits, and this glorious covering will never cease to clothe them. Once we get the eternal body, immortality, that's it. There's no more. In those days, the self-exalted of the earth. Now pay attention, because here's, here's judgment. Here's judgment, the sins of judgment, starting in chapter 63, verse 1. In those days, the self-exalted of the earth will beg the angels of punishment for mercy so they can fall down and worship the Lord of spirits and confess their sins to him. Mm. They will bless and praise the Lord of spirits, saying, quote, Blessed be the Lord of spirits, who is Lord of kings, of the mighty, of the rich, of the glorious, and of the wise. All the mysteries are known to you, and your power and your glory is eternal. Many are your secrets, and your righteousness is beyond measurements. Now we realize we should praise and bless the Lord, the one who is king of kings. Mm. They will say, please give us mercy that we can praise and repent before him. But we do not find mercy, but are driven away. The one who is the light has gone from us, Mm. and we will dwell in darkness forever. For we did not repent to him, nor praise his name, nor thank him for his works when we could have. We hoped in our own power and not in the Lord. Now, during the day of judgment, he does not save us, nor does he give mercy for us to confess his faithfulness, his justice. The Lord does not show respect for these persons. Because of our works, we are sent away from him, for our sins have been accurately counted. Then they will say, quote, Our souls enjoyed many possessions gained through sin, but these possessions could not keep us from the flames and torment of Sheol. Mm. End of quote. Verse 11, after this, they will be filled with darkness and shame before the Son of Man. They will be driven from him. Thus says the Lord of Spirits, quote, this is the final end of those of the earth that have exalted themselves instead of the Lord of Spirits, end of quote. Mm. Wow. You can see Matthew uh, twenty four thirteen all in there. The angels, the angels of punishment, mm-hmm. Jesus called them the reaper angels, but they're the ones that are reaping, gathering the wicked. Enoch calls them angels of punishment. You see the, the tares begging for mercy and, and then, then praising God, then acknowledging who he is, but it's too late. Mm-hmm. And they're thrown into utter, outer darkness and gnashing of teeth and wailing and 
Oh, that's Judgment Day. So in that text I just read, there were like six sins of judgment in this little text, right? I'm not saying this is a comprehensive list. I'm just saying this is what's included in Enoch, and this is what we're going to go over and vet out. 10-4, good buddy? 10-4, good buddy. But before we do that, let's take a break at the 28-26 minute mark. Welcome to the Remnant Resistance. Welcome to the Remnant Resistance. Resisting and fighting the enemies of God. You are listening to the Kapow Radio Show Network. What? And Kapow stands for Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. You can hear all the shows on archive anytime or as an iTunes download. Our topics include the paranormal, the supernatural, and spiritual warfare. The Kapow Radio Show is sponsored by Fifth Hook Media. Visit fifthhookmedia.com to see our ebooks about spiritual warfare. That's F I F T H O O K media.com. Keep up the good fight. We are glad you joined Resistance. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yep. Huh? Yep. Let's, Let's talk about sins that demand judgment now. This is the bote of the teaching. The bote. In Enoch, chapters 62, verse 7 through 63, 12, there were six sins of judgment that the sinners were talking about that they did, and the Lord was talking about that they did. And this is why they wound up in the lake of fire in eternal punishment. So let's go over those, and I'm going to talk about that, and then Ms. Kapow is going to substantiate these words of Enoch, 5,000-year-old words, with Scripture. Go figure. Who does that? Who does that anymore? Unconfessed sins is number one. Sins that demand judgment. Unconfessed sins. And the scripture I have is Psalm 66, 18. That says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And then Proverbs 28, 13 says he that covers his sins shall not prosper unconfessed sins you see Enoch talked about the self-exalted um, that they'll confess their sins to him on judgment day they'll re- repent before him and they'll say we did not repent when we were alive nor does he give mercy for us to confess because uh, it's it's going to be too late. So what is what does that mean? I think it's pretty obvious that if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of something, right in your life, um, confess it, get it out, quit doing it, be done with it, live a life pleasing unto the Lord. But you can't live a life and have these sins and 
they're not confessed, you're justifying actions and behaviors that are not pleasing to the Lord. I hope that makes perfect sense. All right? Number two, sins that demand judgment. Number two, lack of worship of God. Uh, Before you read your scripture, Ms. Capel, let me read what, uh, again, just paraphrase what what Enoch had wrote. Lack of worship of God. uh, In Enoch, it says, so they can fall down and worship the Lord. We realize we should praise and bless the Lord. Give us mercy that we can praise. We did not praise his name nor thank him when we could have. So they're experiencing judgment because of their lack of worship of God. All right. Uh, the first scripture I have is Joshua twenty four twenty, and it says, If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And then Isaiah one twenty eight says, And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Wow. Number three, sins that demand judgment, trust in self rather than God. This was a big one for me way back when, man. I was, you think I'm arrogant now? Wow. You should have known me way back when. I was one arrogant dude. And I was like totally trusted in myself in everything. Right, Miss Powell? Yep. I mean, you know, even after I came back to the Lord, you know, I went through a period of time where I just felt like he wasn't doing enough in a certain situation. And I said, okay, I'm done praying about it and asking God to take care of this. I got to take things in my own hands. And I just, you know, picked up the phone and started willing Dylan and, you know, took things in my own hands, you know, because I, I actually felt like I could do a better job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's something, you know, obviously I could talk about it now because why? Because the Holy Spirit convicted me of it mm-hmm. and he removed that. Um, so, you know, you change, mm-hmm. you change, you're not who you, you are. And that's, that's the fruit. See, it's not the Darnell with the black grain. That's the wheat mm-hmm. because you're producing a fruit that's characteristic of, of the nature of God. But you know, many of us, if not all of us have that to some degree, otherwise we would always be obeying the Lord. That's true. You know what I mean? We've yeah. all, all of, all of disobedience stems from pride that we could do things ourselves. And even the Bible says we've all gone astray and we've all uh, left the way of God. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've all been there. Yeah. You know, maybe some to uh, other degrees than other ones, but nonetheless, we are all that way. Good point. Until we come to the Lord. And we still have things in our lives that we want to hold on to because we haven't fully trusted the Lord. But the more that we submit to God and the more that we obey him and learn that God is faithful and that we can trust him and we have that rest in Christ, that's when we become more mature in Christ and we and we know, hey, even though things don't look right, we know we can trust God. But that only comes from our actual walking with him day in and day out. That's true. That's true. Because it, it goes against human nature. That's right. Not to trust in yourself and do things your, your own way. It actually goes against the human nature. And that's why we become a new creature. It's a process. 
and we we work out our own salvation correct correct that's what the scriptures say Mm-hmm. This is what that means. We're working it out. We're we're fighting. We're contending for the faith. That's right. It's not just a little prayer you do, and then you go your merry own way. You, you mm-hmm. work at it. You're, you're, you, Paul always uses the uh, the analogies of fighting or wrestling, or you know. And that uh, should be something that's happening with us every day. Every day, yes. Every day, every day. So trust in self rather than God. In Enoch, we read that they said. We hoped in our own power. Mm-hmm. So you have some scriptures for that. Yeah. And that word power, you know, can mean self or things that we generate or things that we put trust in besides God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the first scripture I have is Mark ten twenty four, And uh, it's Jesus speaking. And he says, children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And then the other scripture I have is Hebrew 10:38 and it reads, "Now the just just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him." So we are t- constantly to walk in faith. Amen. Now, this number 4 goes very much with number 3, trust in self, but it's mm-hmm. a little it's a little even um more refined, it's lack of trust in God. So what what that kind of tells me is that you trust in yourself, it's a sin that demands judgment when you continue to do that, but number four, lack of trust in God means that you're trusting in other things. Maybe you don't trust in yourself, but you're trusting in your daddy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trusting in your mommy to make it okay, or your bank account, or your education, or your boss, or you're trusting in your government, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, or your church, or your pastor, anything but God. That's right. You know, or you're trusting into some weird belief, or your theology, or some heresy, some prosperity gospel. I mean, I can go on and on, Mm -hmm. but you see the, the broad categories here. Or the cross that's around your neck. <laughs> yes. Or some figurine that you have in your car. Yes. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. You don't care if it rains or freezes as long as you have a plastic Jesus on the dashboard of your car. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on. Your spouse. Mm-hmm. So it's the lack of trust in God. Mm-hmm. So God demands complete trust in him. That's right. And Enoch, uh, the, the wicked being punished are saying, and not in God's power, exalted themselves instead of the Lord of Spirits. They exalted themselves instead of the Lord of Spirits, mm-hmm. not in God's power. So you have scriptures for yeah. that. Isaiah 30, 1 through 3 says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Wow. Number five, evil works. Well, we can throw a bunch of stuff in there, right? Mm -hmm. Evil works. These are sins that demand judgment. Those who do evil works 
on the earth, in this cosmos, in this eon, in this age, are destined to hellfire. Evil works. Enoch says, because of our works, we are sent away from him, and for our sins have been accurately counted because of our works. Every Friday, Freedom Friday, we expose these evil works. Every Friday, we talk about this stuff. Scripture. Uh, the first one is Romans 2, 5 through 6, which says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. And then uh, Revelation 20, 13 through 15 says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Evil works. Okay, number six, the last one, sins that demand judgment that were contained in this Enochian passage. It's, this is a big one, and this was a big one for me too in the past was trust in riches, trust in riches. You know, I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of stories, but when I was younger, it was all about the money for me, man. And uh, I worked some uh, exorbitant amount of hours. Did I not? Didn't I not, Ms. Kapow? Oh, yeah, you did. Um, I would sleep in the basement of the police station, you know, just so I can get up. You know, I didn't have to drive home, so I can go to court uh, in the morning. I'd be in court all day, getting time and a half. And then, you know, turn around and go work graveyard all night and make more arrests to be in court the next day. And, you know, I mean, you're just increasing your income and income. And it was all about how much money you could make. Um, it, it was incredible how that could captivate you. I mean, at one time, Ms. Kapow and I had, what would we, we had three rental homes mm -hmm. in Riverside County. Uh, three mortgages. Um, we had two Harleys. What a Jeep, a truck. Uh, of course, you know, had a city car. Uh, you know, brand new home. I mean, we just, it was all about money. Uh, and that came crashing down at one point. The trust and riches. God had to really, you know, uh, show me some things several times in my life. And in Enoch, it says, our souls enjoyed many possessions gained through sin, mm. gained through sin. Now, why was it a sin for me to work uh, my butt off, you know, making all that money? Because it was more than I needed. It was, I, uh, we were, the guys I worked with in narcotics, we were in competition with each other of who could make the most money. Um, I worked with guys way in, you know, in the 80s and 90s that would make the California list you know, for as detectives making over a hundred grand a year, that was in the eighties, you know, uh, they would make that, that list. We were all in competition with each other trying to do that. <laughs> it's crazy. It was absolutely the same. So trust in riches, our souls enjoyed many possessions gained through sin. So Ms. Kapow. Okay. The first scripture I have is, um, Psalm 49, six through seven. And it says, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, 
None of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give God a ransom for him. And then we go over to Proverbs 11, 4, and it says, Riches profit not in the day of wrath. And then I go to uh, the Gospels, and the first one is in Matthew 16, 26, and it says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And the last one is Mark 10.23 that reads, And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? It's all there. It's it's all there. It's the love of money. See, it's the lust, the covetousness. That's that's where you go sideways real easy on that. So let's talk about we talked about the sins that are judged or sins of judgment. Let's talk about the lake of fire sins. Same thing. Judgment, lake of fire sins. In Revelation 21, 8, and you'll find some that are very close to this, but Revelation 21, 8 gets very specific. I'll read the, the, the verse, and then we'll break down the individual classes. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So into the lake of fire will be put, according to Revelation 21.8 and 22.15, these classes of people. Number one, fearful. And this refers to the worthless, vile, cowardly people. Fearful. Okay, the scripture I have for that one is found in Hebrews 10, uh, verses 26 through 27. And that says, uh, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery, fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Number two, the unbelieving, the Greek word is apistos, ones who do not have faith. Remember what we just talked about, lack of trust in God and trust in self. Uh, That one is Titus 1.15 that says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Mm. Number three, abominable. Abominable. Those are ones polluted by unnatural lust. And that could be... It doesn't mean just sexual lust. It could be the lust of money, the lust of fame or fast cars or, you know, whatever you want. It's abominable. And um, I got uh, first Timothy, uh, first Timothy, first Titus. Um, let's see, where am I here? One sixteen, the very next verse, it says, And they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient unto every good work reprobate. Yeah, you know, in the Greek, 
the Greek uh, word for that is it's it means like to stink, to be disgusted, to detest. It's abominable to God. Uh, it's it's foul. It's foul to turn oneself away uh, from this thing because of the stench. Um, that's how God sees. That's how God sees that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, number four, murderers. Uh, this is pretty much self-explanatory. The scripture yeah. I have is First John five or three fifteen, where it says, "Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer." And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, did you listen to the Freedom Friday show we did last Friday, where we talked about these medical ethicists that say killing a newborn infant is just like an abortion because... Because they're irrelevant. (laughs) Yes, the baby is morally irrelevant, and so taking its life wouldn't harm it uh we read this horrible article if you haven't heard it uh last friday um get a chance listen to freedom friday this is what it's talking about murderers oh my lord the next one whoremongers into the lake of fire whoremongers into the lake of fire the greek for that is pornos pornos uh, it means mm, a male prostitute, female, it's a fornicator, it's a whoremonger, a man who prostitutes its body, um, unlawful sexual intercourse, a fornicator. You get it? Whoremonger. Ephesians 5.5 5 says, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Lake of Fire. On our Facebook page, Fifth Hook Media Facebook, Fifth Hook Media Facebook, I just posted the other day an article about a Brazilian porn actress, a porn star, that confesses, or I'm sorry, professes that she is an evangelical Christian and that God is okay with what she does for a living. Mm-hmm. She has public sex. It's okay. God's okay. She goes to church on Sunday and carries her Bible. Um, a horrible thing, but it's it's true. I don't make it up. It wasn't a hoax. But this is the kind of person that has their part in the lake of fire, unless she repents. She she still has time. But if she doesn't do before that time, she ain't getting in. Mm-hmm. Idolaters, idolaters. This is a big one. This covers a lot of things. These are those who worship idols. It could be cars, money, your position, your job, your children, your wife, your spouse, your house, on and on. Anything that comes before God. Um, eighteen Deuteronomy 18, 9-13 says... And when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God gives thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee. 
and thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. And see, that's why, I mean, you, you get irritated with Brother Kapow constantly harping on the pagan Christmas uh, celebrations and pagan Easter celebrations because idolatry is huge and it's a worshiper of false gods. I mean, it's also, I mean, Strong's Concordance even says it's used of any one, even a Christian participant in any way in the worship of the heathen, especially one who attends their sacrificial feasts and eats of the remains of offered victims. I mean, why would we want to celebrate any kind of paganism? I don't know, but people will fight with you on this. And Miss Kapow, I missed one before idolaters was sorcerers. Oh, I got and that's out. the one I read. Oh, no. it is? Okay, I got out of order because my eyes uh my eyes deceive me. Okay. Well, let me okay, let me start with sorcerers because you already read that one, and then we'll do idolaters. Okay. Okay. So sorcerers is one who prepares or uses magical remedies, right? A mm-hmm. sorcerer. Um what's the what's the Greek word on that? <gasps> Pharma kiss. Like pharmacy. That's a druggist, a pharmacist, a poisoner, by extension, a magician, a sorcerer. It's a magical uh, potion. It's something It's something that's used to manipulate another, mm-hmm. right? These are ones who buy drugs or enchanted potions, charms. They try to produce an unnatural effect. Hmm. Hmm. Shall I go ahead and read Deuteronomy again? Sure. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Deuteronomy 9 through 13. It says, And when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God gives thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee, and thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. See, that makes much more sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. But it's like, still, why did I pick that I one? I know, but okay. it still covers, you know, idolaters. Okay, and then idolaters. Okay, idolaters. I have 1 Corinthians uh, 5.11 that says, uh, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or a covetous or an adulterer or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such as a one have uh, do not even eat. And then the other one I have is First um, Corinthians 6, 9, that says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, and be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And it goes on. And... Um, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Yes. Now, you know, 20, in Revelation 20, 22, 15, there's, there's one added, and that's dogs. Dogs. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking puppy dogs or canine dogs. No. Those are like prostitutes. Yeah. So, you know, that's like false prophets and homosexuals are called dogs in the Bible. Uh, Deuteronomy twenty three eighteen. There's Isaiah fifty six ten and eleven. Philippians three two. Mm-hmm. Um, use the word dogs. Do you have anything for that? 
Uh, Matthew 7, 5, I believe. Let me look down at I'm sorry. Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets, which is a dog, mm -hmm. which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And the other one I have is 2 Peter. Let me turn to that one. 2 Peter 2, 1, that says... But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And then one more in 1 John 4, 1. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Yeah, and in the Old Testament, dogs are used uh, a lot of homosexuality, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I really don't know where they, you know, where that um, etymology came from, you know, um, probably because, you know, dogs do some nasty stuff, <laughs> you and know, so, you know. They just, get with all other dogs. Yeah, yeah, so probably something like that. Okay, the last one. These are sins that inherit the lake of fire. These are judgment sins from the book of Revelation. It says all liars, not just somebody who might lie a little bit or, you know, it's all manner of lying, the whole, whosoever, everybody, everything, every word. We're going to be held accountable to every word we said, every idle word. Mm -hmm. So the Greek on that um, simply means it's like sudis, like pseudo. Mm -hmm. It's something that's untrue. It's erroneous. It's deceitful. It's wicked. It's false. It's a lying. It's it's a lying spirit. And also, to go with that is the lover of lies. Mm -hmm. People who have sincerely believed the lies of Satan, and they love it. They love to have their ears tickled. So you have something for liars. Okay, for liars, I have two. And it's Proverbs um, 17.4. says, A wicked doer gives heed to false lips, and a liar gives ear to a naughty tongue. And John 8.44, as we're familiar with, it says, Jesus says, Ear of your father's devil, and the lust of your father's ye do, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. Amen. And then for the lovers of lies, I have Proverbs twelve twenty two, And that says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And Proverbs 26, 24. says, he that hates dissembleth with his lips and lays up deceit within him. And then the other one is Second Timothy, way on the other side, Second Timothy, oops, Second Timothy 3, 2 through 5. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Let me make sure that's what... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you were, you were reading from the Rick James Bible. <laughs> Second Timothy 
uh, 3, 2 through 5 here. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Amen. Uh, you know, these, all these sins, all these, these things we just vetted out and explored, all people that have their part in this will be thrown into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. That's the second death. Now, if you look at this list and say, well, I'm not any of that because I'm a good person. I'm a good person. So this doesn't fit me. Let me tell you, I just mentioned that Brazilian porn star that claims she's an evangelical Christian and that God has no problem with what she does. She also says that people should not judge her because she has a relationship with God and she goes to church on Sunday. She carries her Bible, but she's a porn star and she likes being a porn star and God's okay with it. Mm. And, but you know what her reasoning is in the article? She says, God's okay with it. And this is a quote, because I am a good person. Mm. And she absolutely believes that. I mean, I honestly think she's sincere. I don't think this is just a gimmick or anything. I think she honestly believes that. And she's a lover of lies. See, see, because she thinks she's a good person. None of this applies to her. Right there shows that she's a liar. She's lying to you. And she's lying to herself. And she loves that lie because she enjoys public sex. And she has since she was a teenager. She enjoys being in darkness. She enjoys that. Yes. But she's got a good heart. And when she says, I got a good heart and I'm a good person, that means she's not killing anybody. So you could check that off the list. But is she a whoremonger? Uh, Yeah. Well, maybe she's not being a sorceress. You could check that off the list. But is she being an idolater? Yes. Yes. Is she a dog? Yes. She's a liar. She's a lover of lies. Does she have faith in Christ? No. Is she unbelieving? (laughs) Yes, she's unbelieving. Is she an abomination? Her lifestyle, is it pleasing to God? Well, see, my point is, my point is, is you could look at these things and you can't just whitewash it like, I'm a good person. I go to church. I carry a Bible. Don't judge me. It's not about that. God's the judge, not you. Mm-hmm. If you were going to judge yourself, you wouldn't even be needing this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I've made all my points, Ms. Capel. Okay, well, I have two. Okay. The, well, I have two scriptures. One is um, in Proverbs six sixteen. There are six things that the Lord does hate. Yea, seven are abominations to him. Remember, it's a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brothers. Beautiful. And then I want to close with this, Isaiah 55, 6 through 7, where it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. 
And let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. That's a great closer. That's what we have to keep in mind as Kapow listeners and faithful faithful followers of Christ in the body and part of his true called out ones. Wherever we may be scattered across this globe, that we have the common denominator of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to end with my song that I wrote called I Pour Me Out, where we talk about the Lord of Spirits. Once again, I think it's the only song ever written with an Enochian flavor in it. If you like it or you want it, you have to email me. You can't, you can't text me and you can't message me on Facebook because I can't send you an MP3 that way. Email me, Paul, at kapowradioshow.com. Then I can email you an MP3. I can't do it any other way. All right? All so, right. Having said that, we will talk to you later. Ciao, babies.